Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious, eternal Father, Lord, our times are in your hands. Lord, we couldn't live a day without you. Every moment of the day, every minute of the day, you sustain us, you guide us, you keep us in your paths. Lord, we're fully committed to you, fully yielded, dear God. And now, dear Lord, as we come into this service, inviting the Holy Spirit, we ask, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would take control of each and every one. As Lord, as we work and we, through the busyness of the days and the demands of life, our minds can become distracted, our hearts, Lord, can become heavy. But Lord, we come into the house of God to set our affections upon you, set our hearts upon you. And Lord, we're asking, Father, that the Holy Spirit, that angels will take their position and that the Holy Spirit will take control of our hearts. Lift us up, Lord, above these feeble bodies and these feeble senses. Move us up into the power of your Spirit, dear God. We ask, Lord God, we'll see into, Lord, a, a realm of faith that our hearts, Lord, would be energized and quickened. Lord, that your word, Father, would manifest itself in the body of your believers. Lord, we need you tonight. We ask, Lord, that you bless your word. Bless every effort that is made. We love you with all of our hearts. And Lord, we report for service. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Does everybody love the Lord tonight? Um, I'm not going to be able to use this. I'm not, I'm not hearing out of it. So if you could go ahead. I don't want to blast anyone back here, but I'm going to need the monitors tonight. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's um, turn in our Bibles, if we can, to Psalms chapter 37, verse 34. Psalms chapter 37, verse 34. I'd like to read down. See here. Make sure I get the right the right scripture here. Just a second. I see. Chapter thirty seven, verse seven. I'm sorry. Just a second. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I've got my scripture mixed around here. Just a second. Yeah, Psalms 37, verse 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath, and fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. And I want you to go down to verse 34. It says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I want to preach tonight on wait upon the Lord. 
and I would like to subtitle my message tonight on exalted to inherit the land. May God bless the reading of his word. You can have your seats. I want to take my time this evening. Moses, his whole commission, his whole purpose, his entire ministry was to take the people out of Egypt and bring them into the land of promise, into a land that flowed with milk and honey. And I'd like to read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. I'll be referring to a lot of scriptures tonight if you want to write those down. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. It said, All the commandments which I command thee this day, you shall observe and do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not. And neither did the fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thine raiment wax not old upon thee, and neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water and of fountains and of depth that spring out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of oil and uh, oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness and thou shalt lack, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are ironed, and out of those whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And when thou hast eaten, and thou art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given you. What a wonderful place this was. What a wonderful destination that the exodus was. But you know, in order to get there, Moses had to have patience. Because it was only a four days journey out of Egypt. A four day journey that would take 40 years. And you find that Moses had to have patience. He had to have patience with the people who did not understand what God was doing. That did not understand the way that God had led them. And the people had become impatient. They be the Bible said they become impatient because the way was hard. And they didn't understand why a good God that loved them, that would call them out of bondage, that would call them out of slavery, why God would lead them into a wilderness of sin, a land, a, a wilderness where wherever they turned, there was no water, there was no food there. Everything was the rough way, and that's the way God's way is. You find the people misunderstood, and Moses, he had to wait for the land that God promised him. 
He had to be patient with the people, and he had to wait for the people to catch the vision. And he said now that Moses, he said, I give you the land. I give every bit of it to you. It is yours. I give you the title deed. Your, your name is on the deed. But when they got there, they found the whole land was swarming with giants and Hittites and Perizzites and Philistines. And, and they began to faint because of the size of the giants that was on their God-given land. And they begin to cry, we are grasshoppers in his sight. And, and uh, maybe God didn't look at that detail that giants fill this land. And we're not warriors. We're simple family people. We can't take the land. And the people, Brother Benham said, the problem was not with the promise of God. The promise was with the mixed multitude. Because Caleb rose up and stilled the people and said, they are bread for us. We are more than able because God said so. But it was the mixed multitude that caused everyone to be upset and to begin to question whether the land was really for them or not. How many knows that that was a type and shadow of the day that we're living in? And, and this message is to bring us into a land of promise, into the full promises of God, into the full Pentecostal power, into the full character of Christ, into the full love of God. This message is to bring us in to a body change. Hallelujah. It is an exodus out of out of unbelief into true faith. It is an exodus out of artificial Christianity into the real genuine experience. But the call come out of her brought a mixed multitude. And we got to be patient in these times. If you're writing it down, Psalms 37 verse 3 said, Trust in the Lord. And do good, and thou shalt dwell in the land. Verily thou shalt be fed. Psalms 27 verse 13 said, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, a lamb, all he does is follow the shepherd. All the lamb has got to do is faithfully follow and the, and the shepherd will lead him in. But when we begin to question the promises of God and begin to become impatient with the promises of God, then we find ourselves in trouble. As Brother Branham said, impatience is one of the great ruins of our American heritage. He said everyone is in a hurry. Every one of us, we wake up, we go to work, we race through the day, we race back home, and it's just like a busy hamster wheel. He said, everybody is in a hurry. People flying around you. He said, pressure is because it's a neurotic age. And everything is under pressure. And we've got to meet certain criteria. We've got to make certain demands. And, you know, all of our easy living.
Listen, we just cram more in to a life of easy living. Right. To our minds can't even keep abreast or keep up with the demands of society and social media communicating with 15 different people at one time and it's pressure. And Brother Branham said, even Christians are under pressure. And he said, what pressure does is make us make decisions that we normally would not make if we were not under pressure. It makes us snap at one another. It, it makes us, you know, keyed up and, and in a hurry and I just want to get it behind me. And Brother Branham said, if Satan can get you pressured, you're just about whipped. And he said, our age is a neurotic age. Why? He said, because God is left out. And when we become impatient with our daily life, when we become impatient even in our own little world that we live in, and we begin to leave God out of our decisions, and leave God out of our daily life. When we leave him out, then we become impatient and we begin to do things that normally we wouldn't do. Brother Branham said, after 31 years of ministry, after the toils of the field, I want to make my testimony to this. I have seen disappointments. I have seen the time where I asked things I cried for things. I begged for things, and I didn't get them. But if you wait patiently upon God, then know that it works exactly right. It'll come out exactly right if I wait patiently upon the Lord. How many I would love to say, Lord, help me not to be impatient. Help me to wait upon you every day. You're writing it down in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. He says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Surely in blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Amen. How wonderful. Amen. Notice this. Abraham was given an immutable promise by God that could not, God could not go back. Right. It was an unconditional promise. Meaning no matter what happened, whatever he faced, no matter what, Abraham is going to inherit this promise. But we find that Abraham is sitting on a barren land. Lot took the well water plains. And Abraham is, Brother Benham said, Sarah is cranky that day. Because Lot's wife is down there with the caravans and all the new hats and all the new bonnets and, and all those things. And I'm in this God-forsaken desert. Flies are in my kitchen. That creaky step is driving me crazy. Abraham had all month to fix it. I'm so sick and tired. Air conditioning. The flaps on the tent ain't even working right. They don't even open. The zipper's stuck. My kitchen 
that's hiding here, flies are everywhere. Yeah. Talking about a promised son. I've heard it 25 years. There's a reason why Abraham was on the outside of the tent. Abraham, Lord. He had lots of good communion out there on the backside of the desert. One day as he waited, he grew stronger. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing off. He's going to come. He swore by himself. He looked out one day and he saw three men coming. Brother Branham said he kept himself in a spiritual atmosphere. And he said when he looked, the men had dust on their clothes. As they were walking, I love the way God operates. He could have just passed it off. It's another day. It's another pilgrim. It's another Wednesday night service. Just another day. But he was spiritual. And he knew one day that church service would be different. He knew one day God would come by himself. And he was faithful. Brother Branham said he ran out to meet him. Bible said, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. He said that word. He said, why the word patience? After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. You see, the Spirit is speaking about the word. To wait for the fulfillment of that word requires patience, as it did in the case of Abraham. He endured seeing him who is invisible. He was patient, and then the word was finally fulfilled. And this is the way God teaches his people patience. See, if he fulfilled the word in a physical manifestation, the very instant you prayed, you would never learn patience, but you would become more impatient with life. He said, let me show you the truth of this. And he goes into um, a Joseph, how until the time that the word came, the word of the Lord tried him. So meaning though God gave Joseph a promise, he had to patiently wait for that promise to come to pass. And then God gives us exceeding precious promises. He has promised to fulfill every word. And from the time we pray till the time we get the answer, we must learn to receive patience in our souls for only in patience do we possess life. May God help us to learn this lesson. He said, we read the history of lives of great Christians. And what a contrast we see between their lives, who was so patient and so quiet. And today we are so overcome with impatience and haste. God has sent us a message that will bring us right into the rapture. God has sent us a message that will bring us into the body change. He has restored the word. And with the restoration of the word, he will restore all power to his people. 
Can you say amen? And it's at those times that we are believing the word that we must be certain of God. You must be convinced that this word come from Almighty God. You must be convinced that the prophet is the prophet of Malachi 4. You must be convinced in yourself because if you're not, you're going to fall when the trial comes or when the delay comes. So you must be certain in your heart just as certain as Abraham was. And when you believe it, then take a death hold to it. Don't you back off. Hold to that word. Don't let nothing move you. And know that this word is going to change your body. This word is going to heal your body. This word is going to come inside of you and materialize. Amen. But God loves to test us. Do you believe that? God loves to test us and to try us. Then it brings our faith to a showdown. Brother Branham said, Every son that cometh to God must be tried. And he said, If you get a little heartache after you're born again, a little trial upsets you. Somewhere you run back to the world. It shows you wasn't a child to begin with. If any man once anchors in his heart, his heart against Calvary, all the devils in hell will never shake him. Notice he cannot stand chastisement. He is illegitimate. If he claims that God is his father, then he's not tossed about with every wind of doctrine. He's not thrown about with every trial that comes. He's not in one day and out the next. He is stable. He is steadfast. He is sure-footed. He has a foundation that doesn't move. When we get in a hurry, we miss God. When we get impatient, we miss God. I want you to notice this. Brother Branham said, I think many a good man have done it. He said, you get too much in a hurry and you want to do it yourself. Many a man, they go out impatient, believing that the time is near and they try to do it within yourself. Wait upon the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. See, Sarah doubted. That's why she laughed at the tent. She doubted the supernatural birth. She became impatient, and she tried to help God out. So when she tried to help God out, she chose Hagar. She goes to the same church, and you know, I mean, it's spiritual. Why don't Abraham be with her, and we will call that the promised son and put this behind us? And you find when she gave Hagar into Abraham's bosom, she brought forth Ishmael, which was a wild man, an untamed man, like a wild ass running through the desert. His hand was against every man. She brought forth a persecutor of the word because every time we try to mix something with the word of God, it produces death. It produces chaos. This isn't the promise. 
Ishmael become the Muslim race. And he's a persecutor who fights against all men. You watch the spirit of it. Claims to be the seed of Abraham. But a fighter. Because Sarah could not wait on God. And she wanted to produce it in her own strength. This is the natural seed versus the supernatural seed. So two seeds are fighting against each other. But the Bible tells us to wait upon the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? See, Sarah produced a wild man. But what did God produce? When she waited, finally that man came. And he said, I will visit you according to the time of life. Sarah's milk veins were dried. She had a hump in her back. Her hair was gray. Her, her throat, her voice was weak. But when God visited her, all of a sudden the milk veins came back. The heart started pumping right. The womb became fertile. The hair became black again. The sparkle came into the eye. Her body began to change when she waited on the promise. How many say, Lord, don't give me a substitute. Let me wait on the promise of the Lord. She looked at Abraham. Abraham was standing there cut, six-pack V. Sarah. Abraham. His chin's cut. He's rippling with muscles head to foot. I'm feeling good this morning. <laughs> You're looking good this morning. So are you, Sarah. Because the time came where God was going to change those helpless bodies into something he could use. You know, there was absolutely nothing that Abraham and Sarah could give. And that's exactly the way God wanted it. He loves to take something that is nothing and make something out of it. He never asked us to produce a rapture. He never asked us to produce a revival. He never asked us to produce Christianity. He asked us to believe his word and receive his word and let him live it through us. How many say, Lord, live it through me? Pulsate in my heart. Live in my thoughts. Live in my life. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Abraham renewed his strength. Sarah renewed his strength. They mounted up on wings like eagles. Strengthened from the inside out. How many say, Lord, start with me tonight? You know, God wanted to bless Israel. And God just hovered over them, over the pillar of fire. He busied himself. He fed them with manna. He gave them water from the rock. Everything they needed, he provided. Their clothes never got old. Their feet never got sore. God healed all of their diseases. And one day, Brother Branham said, they got to looking at their neighbors, and they wanted to be a king like they had. Brother Branham said, God was going to give them a king in the person of Jesus Christ. And he said, and he said, but, he said, they were in a hurry. And he said, God was going to humanize them, himself in the person of Christ. 
But they got ahead of God. And Satan put in their heart to get ahead of the Lord. Wow. The devil put in their heart to get ahead of God's program. And Samuel said, you don't want to do it. He'll make your children slaves. He'll actually put you in bondage. You'll serve a man. You don't want to be like the other nations. You want to be something different. And they refused the counsel of Samuel. And you find that God raised him up a king by the name of Saul. Brother Donnie preached a masterpiece uh, on that uh, one night about the unsurrendered heart. And he said Saul went out and was waiting on Samuel. Samuel didn't come. God was testing him. And And the people were shaking in their boots because the Philistines... And you find that when Samuel was just a bit late, what happened was Saul went and began to sacrifice unto the Lord. And Brother Branham said as soon as he did it, it took the leadership from God and put it on a man. And as soon as it did, the prophet turned his back and God turned his back. And he said he will every denomination that turns away the spirit of God He said, God will turn his back on it. God will turn his back on us if we reject the spirit. Brother Branham said, give God time. God is in no hurry. We're the ones that get in a hurry. Just give God a little bit of time. You'll see those prophetic wheels and cogs come right up. It'll develop like a picture. You know, the Bible tells us Though Jesus was a son, yet he learned obedience to the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him. In plain language, the very character of Jesus was perfected by suffering. According to Paul, he was left his church a measure of suffering that they too, by their faith in God, while suffering for him, would come to a place of perfection. Unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. The reason for this is character simply is never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants to share even his throne on the same basis he overcame and is set down on his father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with him. This little temporary suffering that we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that is to be revealed when he comes. Oh, the treasures that are laid up for those that are willing to enter into the kingdom through much tribulation. Peter said, think it not strange concerning fiery trials that is to try you. See, that is what Peter said. Is it strange that God wants to develop Christ-like character that comes through suffering? We all have trials. We all are tried and chastened as sons. Not one but goes through it. The church that is not suffering, that is not being tried, is not of God. 
For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. If you watch the model of Jesus, bear with me tonight. If you watch the way Jesus handled himself as a lamb of God, when Pilate inquired and had him scourged, you never see him glare at Pilate. You never see him lose his temper. He was always calm and collective. His faith was unconscious faith, undisturbed faith. He carried himself like a lamb of God. Through the trials, he never fought back. He always looked to God knowing that the trial come from God. Paul said, be patient in tribulation. Patient implies in suffering, enduring, and waiting with a determination. How many say, Lord, give me a determination in my heart? He said, because your tribulations worketh patience. And that's why John on the Isle of Patmos said, I, John, your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. John was preaching the gospel. John was the word made manifest. And it stirred the regions till they thought, we can't have this man in our society. He's a witch because the power of God moves around him. So they tried to kill him. Brother Benham said they tried to burn the Holy Ghost out of him. And when they put him in a vat of oil, the power of God protected him. Amen. Amen. He's a wall of fire about us. So they banished him to an isle of Patmos, the one who Jesus loved. How can God love John and send him to an Alcatraz? How can God love John? He laid in his bosom. He gave up all of his family and friends for the message of the hour. How could God do this to him? The one whom Jesus loved Boiled in oil all night long. Banished like a, some sort of criminal. Just lizards and snakes and praying. And it was like heaven was shut off. But you know God has a way of making our trials a blessing. Brother Brenham said this. This is remarkable. When John lived, he said people were coming from all over. He was the youngest. So all the apostles died before him. And so people were coming. John, how should we do this with our church? How should we do the music platformer? What did Jesus say about this? And what did Jesus say about that? And life was very busy for John. He said, so he called John away, set him on an island so he could get quiet. And it was about the time he got alone with God, visions began to break. And those visions he penned for one people in the seven church ages. It wasn't for Smyrna. It wasn't for Thyatira. It wasn't for, for uh, Philadelphia. It was for you and I. When God would open the symbols that was in that book to give you faith, to give you courage, to let you know you are on his mind. Hallelujah. God has a way of changing our trials and making it a blessing. 
He said in Revelations chapter 2, verse 19, I know thy works and thy charity and thy service and the faith and thy patience and thy works to be last more than the first. He said, now he does not say like he did in the church of Pergamos, you hold my faith. He said he's commending them for their faithfulness. See, he mentions patience and faithfulness because they go together. In fact, patience is the outcome of faithfulness because the trying of your faith worketh patience and there is absolutely no other way to gain patience. It has to come by the trial of your faith. How highly tribulation, Romans 5, 3, tribulation worketh patience and how highly God regards the outworking of patience because he says in James 1, 4, let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, entire, lacking nothing. See, it's God's will for our perfection and that perfection is patience waiting on God Waiting for God, this is the process of character development. How highly God commended those saints in the dark ages as patient lambs led to the slaughter. Lovingly and faithfully they served God. That's all they wanted out of life, just service to their Lord. And how great was their reward. And as darkness of the age increased, And the martyrs grew lengthier day by day. They worked harder. They served harder. And their faith increased. Nothing is said of increased labor of love in other ages, but in this age. In the darkest of age, they served him even more. What a lesson. There is no season of his gracious surface of love unto our Lord, but rather an increasing of it. And that is the secret. Let the enemy attempt to thwart the service of the Lord and our reply is increased service. And when we faint and are crying in fear, that's the time to shout the victory. Ain't that wonderful? You know, Paul wrote to us a lot of these words about tribulation, work, and patience. Paul had an ambition to be a priest from the time he was a young boy. He was groomed to be a priest. He had a lot of zeal. He had a lot of potential. It was tied up in the young man. Brother Branham said about from the age of eight or 10 up to the time he was 35 when he was finished with college. And he said his mom and dad paid a great sum of money to put him through school. And you can imagine how disappointed all of the priests were. All of the educators, his mother, his father, all of his friends and his circle, how disappointed they were when they see Paul turned his back on all of it and look at it as it was dung because the pillar of fire changed everything in Paul's life. The Bible said Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul never called himself. God called Paul. You find Paul turned his back on everything and immediately he began to preach Jesus as Christ. But you know, instead of being in with the up and ups, 
and being a fancy name and having clout and power, everything God does it the opposite way. He makes him a reject. He makes him a preacher of heresy. He makes him an outcast of society. And so one day he cast a devil out of a woman who brought a lot of gain to the city and they, they fell upon him and they whipped Paul and Silas and they threw him in prison. The Bible said in the inner prison, way down in the bowels of it. Brother Branham said in this place, stinks with rats and disease. They put him in stocks. No doubt their ankles were sore. It was dark. It was musty. It was God forsaken. What a place for a preacher whose backs are burning from being whipped because he's trying to be true to God. What a place for what we call the bride of Christ who's trying, he turned his back on the church. He lost everything. Wasn't it enough that I, I left my career? Wasn't it enough that I left everything? And now my back is busted to pieces. I've been stoned and I'm in this God-forsaken place. Could have been in into the Marriott or some nice motel had I stayed with my plans. Now I'm way down here in the inner dungeons with stocks, rats running over me. Brother Branham says something amazing. He says, not one complaint. He said, no, not one complaint. They were faithful to God. And their condition... Not one word of murmur, not one word of complaint. How many would say, help me, Lord? But rather, I imagined it. Silas turned over, groaning all, and he hears a jingle of a chain. And Paul said, did you hear that, Silas? Hear what? That jingle. And he shakes it. And he shakes his chains. There is power, power. Wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Silas says, yeah, there is power. They get up. They can't stand up all the way. They begin shaking their chains. There is power, power, wonder. Shut up. They didn't shut up. Silas joined in with him. There is power, power, wonder-working power. I imagine angels begin to come down from heaven and circle that little church in the blood of Jesus and they're singing praises unto God and all of a sudden the place begins to shake. I want you to look at this miracle. Those walls did not come down on top of them. Those walls fell away from them. And it took their stocks off of them. And God said, you're free to go if you want. If they would have been selfish, they would have run. But there was a soul in there that needed saving. And the man was going to kill himself. They say, you know what? Help yourself, you nasty Roman. You know, that's a lot of the attitude today. You know, you're, you deserve Sodom. Let the fire fall. Not Paul. He saw a man coming trembling and he said, do yourself no harm. There's love for you. There's grace for you. No matter what you've done. God is reaching out. What must I do to be saved? 
He said, believe on the Lord Jesus. Thy and thy house shall be saved. Brother Bram said, think of it. Their feet, their hands, their neck, they were set free. He said, that heavy Roman prison never broke in on them. All the shackles fell off. See, that's our God. Hold out faithful. He said, stay faithful in your call. How many believe that? They never doubted the word, even in those conditions. They remained faithful. Faithful means loyal. Means constant. Means devoted, unwavering, steadfast. Paul said of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. 2 Corinthians 11.25 Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I severed shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. Perils in the wilderness. Perils in the city. Perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger, in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness, beside those things that are without the burden of the church. Who want to sign up? Who wants to be a preacher? The Bible said in Acts chapter 14, 22, he came by and confirmed the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, to persevere in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Paul knew how to wait on the Lord. All that Paul endured, and he's on a ship. Storm comes up. It's being thrown all over the sea. For 14 days, no stars. No moon. The winds are howling. The sails are tore. Things are out of control. The Bible said Saul, Paul was kept down in the bow of the ship for a long time. Finally, he comes out and says, Brethren, you should have listened to me before we left Crete. He said, But the angel of the Lord, whose servant I am, just spoke to me and said, I must appear before Caesar. I love it because the whole ship is being tossed. People are thrown up from seasickness. And Paul said, I must go before Caesar. The winds are still howling. The ship is still being tossed. But Paul knew that God's word must come to pass. People throwing up over the side of the ship. And he said, God is going to give the life of everyone on this ship. Finally, just exactly the way God said it, they come up to an island and they're, they're cold down to the bone. And he's gathering wood and a viper comes out and bites Paul. Bite Paul, don't go, oh God, I, I hate snakes. Why one trial after the other? No, Paul didn't even recognize it. 
his mind was so on that word. He said, I must go before Caesar. Whether it's poisonous, whether it's a bear, he could stand before a machine gun. Because God said he must go before Caesar. Can you say amen? Don't be afraid to stand on God's word. Hallelujah. Hold fast. The Bible tells us, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to that which thou hast. And let no man take your crown. In other words, God said, hold fast to my word. And I'm going to reward you. On the day of the resurrection, heroes are going to raise up out of the earth. Men that stood on God's word more than their own life. God has a crown waiting for them, which represents you will reign with me through the millennium. And hold fast. He said that promises to those who suffer with him on earth, who endured patiently knowing that God, the just judge, would reward them. They who gave up all for him, committed all to him, will sit down in his throne and share his glorious kingdom. Oh, we have a word for us. It is hold fast. It is persevere. Don't give up. Put on the whole armor of God and use every weapon, every gift at our disposal and look ahead with joy because we're going to be crowned by him who is king of kings and lord of lords. Brother Branham said that there is always a crowning time for the word of the age. You know, Paul was a total reject and hated and so forth. But Brother Branham said Paul stayed true to God. And Demas forsake him, for, forsook him. All men forsook him. And Brother Branham said when God's servant stays true to the word, the world is going to forsake you. People are going to hate you when you stay true to the message that God gave you. Every true saint of the Bible has been forsaken for standing by the word. But they that wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. Elijah was rejected by his age to the place he thought he was the only one left. But he stayed true to the message of his day. Daniel stayed loyal to God. Daniel stayed true to God. In a time where everyone else was compromising, all the preachers were compromising, Every all of his family members, they all turned their backs on God. But Daniel said, I will not defile myself. And he stayed true. And you find God crowned him when he stayed loyal to God because there is a crowning time for believers who believe the word of God. How many believe that? Brother Branham said, Paul, when he walked down to the chopping block, he must have faced off with Nero. His head was cut off. And he said, the old dungeon placed down there a hole in the wall. He said, he walked down there, a little crypt back there, slammed his body into it. And he said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? I fought a good fight. And now there's a crown laid up for me. Not only me, but those that love his appearing. Stand true to the message. Stand true to the coming of the Lord. Stand true to the Bible. Stand true to the blood. 
The Hebrew children stood true. Their crowning day came. Moses stood true to the word of God. And his crowning day came. The Bible tells us in Revelations chapter 19, 13. And the Lord was coming in, in the third coming. He was clothed with the vesture, dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him, the Word, on white horses, fine linen, white and clean. See, these followers here are the overcomers that stood for the Word in their day. And notice this. The word is coming back to the earth. And the followers are the followers of the word. And in Revelation 17, 14, it said, And they that are with him are called chosen and faithful because they are faithful to the word of God. They were chosen in their age and they are faithful to the message that God sent them. How many are followers of the word? You'll be following him into the millennium. You'll be following him through the city because you are a follower of the word. And he that endures until the end shall be saved. Notice this now. Can I go just a little longer? Way back in the beginning when God created Eden, made the birds and the paradises, it was beautiful. God placed his masterpiece, the crowning of his creation, in the garden. Brother Branham said that Eve was actually only potentially Adam's wife, for Adam had never known her. He says that in 1965 in The Power of Transformation, just like Joseph was married to Mary, but she was only potentially as he never knew her as wife. Adam never knew his wife, he said, like the church now. And I know he uses those types differently. But in the spoken word is the original seed. Brother Branham said that Adam's bride could not wait because be fruitful and multiply was an oncoming promise to bring forth sons in their likeness. And Brother Branham said Adam's bride could not wait. And Eve, direct quote, Eve got in a hurry and took wisdom instead of the promise and brought forth a child of death, a child of the beast. And Brother Branham said, like a man that would find his bride already pregnated, that's what Christ found as the church started virgin on the day of Pentecost, he said, but it wasn't long till Roman dogma was found in her and she was pregnated with creeds and dogmas and teachings of men. And Brother Branham said, she went after wisdom and he said, just like the church has gone after psychology and theology and mental reasoning, man's thoughts, He's gone after wisdom. And Brother Branham said, Eve did not know it, and neither do they know it. They think they're right. And she would not bring forth the word manifested 
and the churches would not receive the message of this day to make the word made flesh. And Eve was defiled because she could not wait on God and she disbelieved the word. And Brother Branham said Jehovah's wife did the same thing and was put away because she could not wait. And Christ's bride was put away in divorcement because she could not wait. And he said the Pentecostals have done the same thing. He said, but there is going to be a bride predestinated not to fall. When Christ comes, she'll be like the Virgin Mary who takes this message into her virgin womb that waits on his word. And Brother Branham said, do not get ahead of the Lord because they produce isms. They see promises. They try to produce it in their own power, in their own strength, and it brings forth isms. It brings forth chaos. It brings forth death. But this church is the womb of life. Just like there was one virgin and the prophecy of Isaiah went down through 800 years until it anchored in the womb of a virgin. So has this message went down through the ages until God found a church to anchor the message of the hour into her womb. Many have went off on isms and tried to produce the manifestation of the sons of God and many have tried to do it. And it isn't produced Christ at all. But Brother Branham said this bride will bring forth the finished body of the Lord. Direct quote, this bride will bring forth the finished body of the Lord. In other words, he cannot return until the body is complete. And this is the hour for a bride without spot, without wrinkle, if we wait upon our lover. Brother Branham said, remember, let's remember while we're obeying the Spirit, one great lesson, we never want to be hasty. If we ask God for anything, God answers prayer and he does it in his time and he makes it work just right. When they come into the land, I won't hold you much longer, bear with me. When Moses was commissioned to bring the church into the promise, you find Moses was a type of denomination who glorified himself. He said, must we bring forth water out of this rock? Brother Branham said, he broke every type in the Bible. He was a lawgiver, a type of denomination that cannot bring the people into the promise. So God turned the mantle over to Joshua. As I was with Joshua, so will I be with thee. So Joshua, now a type of the Holy Spirit, is going to pack the people into the land of promise. And notice this now, Joshua was always waiting on the next move from God. So Brother Branham said, Joshua comes down to Jordan, and this is the age of Jordan, crossing over into the land where every promise is made manifest. All that Adam lost is in this land. 
Every power of God is in this land. Healing is in this land. Joy is in this land. Peace is in this land. Eternal life is in this land. A new body is in this land. That's where this message is to take us. So Joshua comes down and he sees the Jordan River. It's swollen. It's the worst time to cross over. Brother Branham said Joshua's engineers could have said, we've made a lot of bricks. We've made a lot of walls. We know all about it. And there's no way. We, we understand weights and volumes and so forth. There's no way to get across this river. Why don't we wait just, just a couple months and this thing will be crossable. We could go right over top of it. And Joshua said, but God said three days. We're not compromising three days. In three days, we're going over. But Joshua, shut up. But, but Joshua, did you? Shut up. Yes, sir. Three days, he said, sanctify yourselves. Get ready. We're crossing over. None of us can swim, Joshua. Every one of us was born in the wilderness, and there's no water out there. None of us could swim. But you know what he said? He said he put the word in front of him. He said that's exactly the position where the word was supposed to be. And he said he didn't put the preachers in front of him. He put the word in front. That's what Brother Branham said. And he said, yes, it was carried over the hearts of the Levites, but it was the word that was going in front. And so as they touched the water, the waters just moved back. And as the waters moved back... And they waited upon the Lord. They all crossed over on dry land. Ain't that wonderful? Brother Branham said, but the one thing is do not get ahead of the word. I don't care what you think. In three days, we're going over. And he said, the trouble is, is we try to get ahead of the word. We bypass the word to make it fit this and to make it fit that. But the word led the way. And when it got to Jordan, she opened up and they went over. Let the word do it. And notice every campaign they fought, they put the word in front of the fight. How many say, help me, Lord? Put the word always in every trial, in every battle, every family circumstance. Let me take this word and keep it in front of me. You'll come out victorious. And then Brother Branham said, now pick up your pen and write. Notice the harmony of the father and the son. The son done nothing but what the father showed him. The bride has a specific work to do at a specific time. And Brother Branham said, let us stand like Joshua and Caleb because God did not let Israel go over until an appointed time. And he said that there were people that were like, Joshua, you've lost your commission. We ought to go over and the land is ours. And he said, same pressures, same problems, that this would be repeated in the last day. He said, but whatever you do, don't be pressured. Stay behind the word. Can you say amen? And he said, now Caleb represented those who stayed true to Joshua. How many want to stay true to the word? Now watch this. Watch this now. They went over every one, and they took the land without a scratch. Because they let the message of the hour go before them. They were able to wait on God. God has sent us a message. 
This message is to forerun the second coming of Christ. Christ will come in a physical body. Many have tried to produce revivals and many have tried to produce God manifested in his fullness in his people. It's caused all kinds of different isms that are as different as the east is from the west. But our job as lambs is to be faithful. Our jobs as lambs is to wait for God to fulfill his word and to believe his word. Brother Branham, I'm going to bring this to a close. Brother Branham tells a story in the sixth seal of a rancher's great ranch from Chicago. He owned ranches out in the west of Colorado. He had a son. And this son, he, he was wanting him a wife. But all the city girls of Chicago said they liked to party. He couldn't find the character and the virtue that he was looking for. Someone that would make him a wife. Someone that would care about him. So he went out west up to Colorado, I believe it was. And all the, he, there was a, an owner, a ranch, uh, not an owner, but a ranch caretaker. He had five daughters. They all heard the rancher's son was coming. Brother Benham said these girls, they were like kind of tea ante, doing their hair up and their eyelashes up. And they were all wanting, he used the word vamp him. They all wanted to vamp him as the, they knew he was coming. He was single, rich and powerful and handsome. They were all excited. He said, but there was a little orphan girl. Lost her mom and her daddy and she come to live with her uncle. And she wasn't accepted. She was an outcast among those arrogant little cousins. And he said that they, she had to do the dishes and she was treated like a slave. Not like an equal. And he said she worked real hard. And she missed her mama and she missed her daddy. And she was stuck in these conditions. When this man came to town, Brother Brenham said they put on their best. They threw a party like you never saw. The music was going and the honky tonks were going. They were shooting their guns and flirting and dancing and and hold down, and boy, they were having themselves a party. The man said, these girls are just like the ones in Chicago. He said, after about three days of a hold down and a big time, he stepped out and he looked over the corral, and he said, here come this little wash girl. And he said, she come out, and she threw the water out. She's barefoot, ragged. And he looks at her, and something said on the inside, he preaches this in second coming of the Lord as well. He said, he looks at her and said, that's her. You know how some people, not everyone, but some people look, don't ever preconceive that in your mind. You might mess, make a big mess up, but some people look up and say, that's her. Well, it worked for him in this time. He said, that's her. Boy, his interest wasn't in the party house anymore. He'd come out night after night, He'd watch her for a little bit. He noticed she was faithful. And she was working hard. He said, one day I'm going to get down there and I'm going to talk to her. One night he finally timed her and he knew how to get down there. He made sure he was in the right place at the right time. 
And she went to throw the water, and there he stands. Oh, excuse me. She puts her head down. Excuse me. He said, what's your name? She feels uncomfortable. He said, hey, what are you doing out here doing the dishes? Why aren't you up at the party? She said, I got, I got work to do. Gets to talking to her, and he finds out she's an orphan. Finds out these things about her, and he watches her night after night. Something begins to move in his heart. He said, she has virtue. She has character. That's someone that will make me a home. That's someone that I'm interested in. So one of the last nights, he came down. He met her again. He said, you know why I'm here? I'm here to find me a wife. And he said, I see in you something that I've been looking for. Oh, I imagine she turned ten shades of red. Me? Who? I'm an orphan. He said, will you marry me? But I'm unworthy. Don't you ever feel that way? Out of all the churches in the world, you ever feel, why me? Why would God show you truth? Why would God call you? Who are we? The whole world. I, I go through Japan, and there's literally thousands times thousands. And I look at Brother George. I say, how are we going to reach them all? How? How can you? Thousands times thousands of people. And we're country people. But when you go into those cities, you're like, my God, they're everywhere. But yet God in this age would take this message right to you. How many say, Lord, I feel so unworthy. He said, but I see something in you. I see something. Well, I mean, she had to be speechless. What can I say? But I see something in you that I want to share eternity with. Hallelujah. And he said, will you marry me? I don't have nothing. You don't need anything. Will you marry me? Who am I? I want you to be my wife. Yes. Yes, I will. That had to feel good. She probably said, excuse me. Yes! <laughs> he said, you listen to me, little girl. He said, you see them trees there? He said, it was wintertime. He said, about the time they start to bud, I want you to put your dress in. You make ready. And I want you to come out every night right here to this gate. And I want you to be looking down the road because I'm a coming. When you see the buds on those trees, you know that I'm coming for you. She said, I'll be ready. And he left. You imagine when she had to face her cousins, when she had to say, they said, what are you doing? She's making 75 cents a week, and she's scrubbing and working, and she's saving every penny in her jar. She's going to make herself a dress. You say, it can't be very fancy. When it don't matter, God owns it all. But he said, you make ready, and by golly, she's going to do the best she can. So she's scrubbing floors. She don't mind doing dishes. She don't mind mopping the floors. She don't mind being laughed at. She don't mind being called a holy roller. She don't mind wearing long hair. She don't mind dressing like a woman. 
She don't mind living godly because he made a promise and she knows he's good for his promise. She's a mopping the floor. She's a chinking. She's a chinking. Six months goes by. She can buy some fabric. She's a sewing at night. She's doing it just exactly the best she knows how. I want it white. I want it really white. It's not fancy material, but it's white. It's got to be white. God is looking for a church full of oil. God is looking for a church full of his power, full of his love, full of his grace. He is looking for a church that's white with righteousness. She's ironing it and she's sewing all the needlework in it. And when the cousins find out, you crazy nutcase, you have washed too many dishes, you have lost your mind. But he promised, like he's going to marry you. If he was going to marry anyone, he would marry me. But he promised. Why did he choose you over me? I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened. All I know, he looked like a mighty angel coming down. Like with a book in his hand and a promise. And he told me he's coming back for me. Brother Branham said those cousins, they started dancing around you poor, silly little kid. He'll never come. He's making mockery of you. You're ridiculous. Every night, she saw buds coming on those trees. No, my mopping is, those days are soon to be over. All my slavery is soon to be over. All my troubles are soon to be over. She walked out to the road, and she's awaiting, and she's imagining him flying over that hill. And she watches the sunset, and he don't come. Did she quit waiting? She said, maybe, it's, maybe it is just a fable anyway. No, she had something on the inside. She had a little perseverance. She had a little faithfulness about her. She had a little passion about the word. She went in, all of them laughing, all of them laughing. Told you, told you, told you. She folds it out, she irons it out, or hangs it up rather, tomorrow night. She mopped the floors like she always did. She scrubbed and made sure you plant your potatoes, you do your job to the best. No slack at all. She kept putting change in every day because I'm going to need it. Next night comes, she comes out, everything is ironed, and she stands out there under the trellis. She's watching and she's thinking of her home. Her heart's going pitter-patter. You know how a woman's mind goes when she's in this stage of life? She feels pretty. She feels excited. Did I do it right? Pretty soon the sun sets. Any discouragement? Nope. Tomorrow we're getting closer and closer. It can't keep going. He said, this spring there's not another one. It's going to be this one. I'm waiting.
waiting, I'm watching. And I love his appearing. She goes out all week. And one day she comes out and they're laughing, they're laughing. When are you going to give up? And all of a sudden the hoofs, boop, 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 boop. Up over the hill comes a wagon. Her eyes brighten. He jumps off the wagon. She runs into his arms. He picks her up and stems her. Hallelujah. She was watching. She was waiting. She knew the message was right. She knew he was coming for her. Hallelujah. Fell into his arms. You're not going to be a slave anymore. You're not going to be laughed at anymore. You are mine. He brought a preacher with him. And the preacher brought him under the chalice. Do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife, to have and to hold, to cherish, forsaking all others, forsaking the world, forsaking makeup, forsaking fashion, forsake all others, keep him only to you? I do. You may kiss the bride. Imagine the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon him as he kissed her in front of her accusing cousins. The Bible says he will prepare a table in the presence of the enemy. That God would prepare a wedding supper for a little outcast orphan. Though she's laughed at, Though she's ridiculed, she waited. She was faithful. She stayed with the word. Put her up in the buggy. And as they took off, those cousins' mouths were hanging. Over the hill, they just saw a hand go like this. One of these days, the trees have already budded. I hope every one of you are at the end of the street every day watching. One of these days, the skies are going to break. Dead loved ones are going to raise up, walking through the walls, appearing, and said, it's time. What you look for, what you live for, now is the hour. We hear the buckboard coming through the clouds. And the power of God strikes us and we go into the air to meet him. He catches us in his arms and says, it's all over now, honey. You're a slave no more. You're not an orphan anymore. I go to prepare a place for you. You're going to be with me forever. From the dust to the stars. Come away, my love. Come away. Let me tell you, God has vindicated this message. This is the promise that I will return. All you got to do is wait with your mouth closed, have your wedding garment on, and be waiting, watching. How many say, Lord, give me patience? Give me patience with the word. Help me, Lord, with this message.
that I don't doubt, that I don't shrink, that I don't faint, but I stand right on this word and be true to it like Paul was. Be true to it like Enoch was. Be true to it like Daniel was, like the Hebrew boys, like Moses, like Abraham. Help me be true to this message. How many say, Lord, that's my prayer? As you musicians will come. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads, Lord. We take a little walk through the Bible. We see, Lord, how you admonish us constantly. Be faithful. Be patient. Stand on my word. It won't fail. Just get right behind it. Stay protected behind it. Don't move from it. Don't add to it. Don't get ahead of it. Just stay right with it. Help us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that every hand that was raised tonight, that you'll wrap them in the wedding garments, Lord, of your love. The prophet of God said, I hope he crowns my ministry that I can clothe the bride with the word. Lord, let us wrap ourselves in this message. Not be ashamed of it, but be clothed in it for your return. God, I pray, put such a passion and a reality in your soon coming, Lord, that we can't rest day or night, but we live to win souls. We live, Lord, to see your return. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you, Lord, strike faith in every one of our hearts. God, I pray, Lord, that you send your spirit down on the wings of a dove. Baptize every heart, every hand that was lifted. God, I pray, Lord, that this little story that was told in the sixth seal, we're living it out. Help us, dear God, to manifest and live out this story in reality. I pray in Jesus' name, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, move among our young people. Lord, if there be any here without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, fill them with oil tonight, lamps filled. Lord, and, and Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, renew our strength. Renew our faith. Renew our love. Renew our zeal. Renew our passion, Lord. God, may we take the coming of the Lord serious as we see, Lord, the trees have already budded. Israel is already in her land. This message is to take us over. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you'll be our portion. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you how you give us consolation and encouragement. Thank you for your mercy. We love you, Lord. We have to say, who are we, Lord? That you would think of us, that you would call us to be your own. We're nothing, but we serve, believe the promise. And we sure accept it and receive it, Lord. We're honored. Help us to be loyal to this word, this marriage covenant. And God, may we be a part of that number this, this last eve, predestinated not to fall. We love you. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness. We commit ourselves to you now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you love the Lord tonight? Worship the Lord. Amen. Come away. 
eternity.